text today is taken from John chapter 20, starting with the 19th verse. When Jesus appeared to his disciples the evening of his resurrection, Thomas missed out. A week later, Jesus appeared again, this time giving Thomas what he needs in order to believe. When it was evening of that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was also called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the others <clears throat> excuse me, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and uh, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts your word this morning so that we may trust in Jesus. Amen. Well, for the past three months or so, we have been making our way through the gospel according to John. And today, we come to the end of that journey. Even though we're not quite at the end of the gospel, but next week we'll begin to look at some of the life events and writings of the Apostle Paul. And by the way, even though we're not reading it in worship, I encourage you to read that last chapter of John, John chapter 21, uh, on your own sometime, because it's a lovely story of Jesus cooking breakfast for his disciples. So I invite you to read that on your own sometime, John 21. 
Well, today's story is a familiar one, and most of us probably know it as the story of Doubting Thomas. But as I mentioned earlier, I really think that Doubting Thomas is not a very good title for this story. And uh, I'll give you three reasons why. First off, when we call Thomas, the apostle, the disciple, when we call him Doubting Thomas, we tend to forget everything else about him. We forget, for example, that when all of the other disciples were telling Jesus it was too dangerous to go back near Jerusalem when their friend Lazarus was sick, that Thomas was the one who encouraged them to follow Jesus, even if it meant they were walking to their death. Maybe a better nickname for Thomas would be Courageous Thomas, since he seems to be the only one not giving in to fear. And indeed, in our story today, he's the only one not locked in a room for fear, we are told. Well, second off, second reason, despite what some of our English translations say, including the one we read today, uh, that word doubt never actually occurs in this story. So near the end, uh, and you'll see it in our bulletin, in the end, in verse 27, where our translation has Jesus saying, do not doubt, but believe to Thomas. What's really there, a better translation would be, no longer be unbelieving, but believing. There's an entirely different word for doubt, but what's here is unbelieving. But I guess unbelieving, Thomas, well, it doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Well, and then lastly, the reason uh, that Doubting Thomas isn't a good title for this story is because this story really isn't about Thomas anyway. It's not really the story about the unbelief of Thomas. It's the story of the persistence of Jesus coming to give faith to his disciples. Rather than the story of Doubting Thomas, a better title, I think, would be The Work of a Persistent Savior. So with that in mind, let's take a closer look at our reading, at our story. So our reading opens on Sunday evening, just three days after Jesus has been put in the tomb. And that morning, Mary Magdalene, as we read last week, had discovered the tomb empty and had told his uh, 11 disciples, um, the 12 minus Judas who betrayed him, uh, she told them that she had found his tomb empty and they ran to the tomb, a couple of them did, and uh, they looked and saw for themselves. And then when she had come back and they had left, she encountered Jesus herself in the garden. And all throughout that day, we hear in the other Gospels, many of the extended circle of Jesus' followers had been having encounters with Jesus, resurrected. But so far, these disciples locked in this room, well, they have had nothing but rumors. And so when evening comes on that first Easter, the 11 disciples, minus Thomas, have shut themselves up out of fear. Even though a couple of them have seen the empty tomb, even though they have heard from Mary that she has seen Jesus, even though Jesus sent Mary to them specifically with a message, these ten disciples are still unbelieving. Rather than living in the freedom of faith, they are living in the prison of fear. So Jesus comes to them. Jesus appears to them in the room with them and greets them. Peace be with you. 
And then he does something which seems maybe a little bit strange. He shows them his wounds. Usually we don't show wounds to each other. But Jesus shows up and he shows them his wounds. And as soon as he does these things, as soon as he greets them with this peace and shows them his wounds, immediately they are transformed. No longer are they living in fear, hiding in a room, afraid of what will happen. Now they are rejoicing in faith. By speaking this word of peace and by showing them the battle scars of his victory over sin and death, Jesus has transformed them from frightened unbelievers into faithful and joyful believers. But of course, this has not happened for Thomas. And when he returns from his errand, whatever it may have been, and the other disciples tell him what has happened, then he makes his famous declaration, not of doubt, but of unbelief. He says, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Actually, we could make that last part even stronger. I will never believe. Or maybe there's no way in, well, you can fill in the rest. Now, it's common to get down on Thomas here. But he's not asking for anything more than what the other disciples already received. And in fact, as the week goes on and the ten disciples continue to rejoice in faith while Thomas stews in disbelief, it becomes clear that Thomas isn't exaggerating but he's speaking the truth without encountering the risen Lord for himself, without coming into contact with the wounds by which he is saved. There's just no way that he can come to believe. For whatever reason, nothing else is sufficient for the faith that Thomas so desperately needs. And so finally, finally, a week later, Jesus returns this time with Thomas in the room, and he gives to Thomas exactly what he needs in order to believe. Peace be with you, he says, and then he shows them the battle scars of the victory that he won over sin and death. And Thomas now, like the other disciples, is transformed from a steadfast unbeliever into a faithful believer. And he makes the highest confession of faith in Jesus that anyone makes in all of John's gospel. He says, my Lord and my God. And then, then comes our part of the story. Because Jesus here blesses you and me. Have you believed because you have seen me, Jesus says? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I mean, that's us. That's you and me who have not seen Jesus, at least not in the way that those disciples did, and yet we too have been made to believe. We, like Thomas and the other disciples, have been given a life that is not defined by fear or anger or hate or guilt, but rather by faith, by trust in the one who has in his body defeated sin and death for us. And even though Jesus has not appeared for us in the same way he did for those other disciples, still he shows up and he speaks that word of peace and he offers us his wounds so that we may believe. And he does all this through his word. 
In those last two verses of our reading, the author of this gospel explains why he chose to tell this story of Jesus in the way that he did. And when he does this, he also sort of tips his hand as to his purpose of the entire gospel. He says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Now, in fact, this is not only the purpose of John's gospel, but of the whole of God's word for you. Every word of God that God speaks to you comes to you with this ultimate purpose that you may believe and have life in Jesus's name. Every page of scripture is written to you for this purpose. Every sermon, whether a professional one or otherwise, every offer of communion, every reminder of your baptism, all of these are the word of God for you. Jesus Christ himself showing up, presenting to you his wounds, and breathing into you the Holy Spirit who gives you faith. That's why we, the church, exist. That's why we are formed into congregations. It's why we call pastors uh, and gather for worship, whether in buildings like this one or living rooms or gymnasiums or anywhere else. We exist for the giving and the receiving of God's word. Jesus Christ, the one who brings us to faith, the one who gives to us life in his name. Everything else we do flows out of this one central thing, this encounter with the crucified and risen Jesus, who bears in his body the marks of our sin, whose mercy has conquered our guilt, and whose love endures forever. So you people of God, you believers born of God, rejoice and be glad, for God has given to you the most precious gift. He's given to you his sacramental word. And by doing this, he has made you bearers of that word for the entirety of the world in need. Amen.